Pretty cool, eh? Pretty exciting. We had a great story from yesterday. We, um, Pastor Steve shared about how there is, um, he does a bit of coaching, athletics coaching, uh, just in his free time. And there was a family that he coaches, uh, solo mum, bunch of kids, and uh, he just, yeah, he just helps out, has a great relationship with them. And uh, this lady was at home yesterday and uh, unexpectedly uh, someone knocked at their door and someone had uh, nominated them for a Christmas box and they couldn't believe it. It was going to be a very tight and difficult Christmas for them. Uh, and then she took that box inside, opened it up, and one of the first things she saw was a little message from Steve and from church. And she just burst into tears and wept and wept at what God was doing and connecting all this together. So, you know, and there, and there were just story after story after story like this, which is very, very cool. So it's wonderful to be a part of it. So thank you, everyone. Uh, really great. Kia ora. It's just nice to be here. Uh, one week out from Christmas. We're almost there. Unbelievable. Like it's, I know, it's like, hands up if you've finished your Christmas shopping. Oh, wow. It's going to be a stressful week, ladies and gentlemen. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we just pray right now, God, that you help all these people. My gosh, it's wonderful. Thanks, Pastor Shane, for having us um, back in the pulpit. So good to be here. Uh, today, what we're going to do uh, is we're going to look at a very well-known story that has a, a greater depth to it than we sometimes realize, and it's the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan River when God miraculously had brought his people out of Egypt and then 40 years later, uh, Moses died. And then through Joshua, God took them into the promised land. Let me, let me read a portion of this for you as we start. Joshua 3, verses 14 to 17. And so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I mean, it's an astonishing, miraculous story. And 40 years later, God had done a, an equal miracle, different, but but very similar where God had brought them out of Egypt, out of horrendous generational slavery. I mean, every one of those people, their parents were slaves. Their grandparents had been slaves. Their great-grandparents had been slaves. Their great-great-grandparents had been slaves. And God had this promise for his people, and he brought them out, which was incredible. However, those people grumbled and complained and got stuck in the desert for 40 years until God raised up a new generation. And then God put into action the second part of what he always intended to do, to bring people into the promised land. Now, Moses has died. Joshua is now leading God's people. And God is going to do something utterly miraculous, which is, which is an act of pure grace. Right? Grace. It's a gift to these people. These people had done nothing to earn 
God's blessing and reward and favor. This was all God's kindness to them. He was going to lead them into a land of promise, and he was going to do it in the midst of impossible circumstances. There were no river, there were no bridges across this river, there were no fords. In fact, the river was running at its highest level that it ran at all year. The river was unbelievably wide. It was a massive river. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you know that sometimes what God does in our lives is God leads us into a place of promise despite impossible circumstances. I remember one time when Liz and I were a relatively young couple. We were in ministry. We were desperately trying to get into a house. Uh, it was just such a, a tough, tough time, and every young couple who's ever tried to get into a house knows the stress of that, and congratulations to the couples who are finding in houses, which is just wonderful. I feel your joy. Anyway, we're, we're in this in this season and this house had come up and it seemed like God was in this and, and yet it went against everything that I knew and believed at that time about how we should do this. We lived in Dunedin and Dunedin, there was only one new subdivision in the entire, in the entire 20 year period I was there. Okay, so people didn't, people were like, what? Like, uh, in Dunedin, people don't buy new houses. It's just far too expensive. People buy old houses and then renovate them. Up here, it's cheaper to buy a new house than it is to buy an old house. But in Dunedin, it's completely reversed. And so we were trying to buy this house, but the market was, had really peaked. And in Dunedin, the peaks in the, in the property market only happened like every now and then. Dunedin, uh, Auckland is always at a peak. But back then, it was, you know, like you just didn't buy at the peak. It happened once every 10 years. It was just crazy. On top of that, we were buying a house that had just literally been completely renovated. And I was driving along the road one day saying, God, I just, this, is, this is not wise, Lord. This is bad. We shouldn't be doing this. God, we shouldn't be buying a house at the top of the market. We shouldn't be buying a house that's newly renovated. God, how are we going to make any money on this? God, how, what are we going to do? And I felt God say to me, just watch me bless you. You know, for some of us here, you are believing for something, but the circumstances seem all wrong, and yet God is with you, and he is saying, just watch me bless you. I want to encourage you to have faith. Amen. So back to the text. God's in this conversation with Joshua, and Joshua passes on to the people what God had said to them. Let me read this to you. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. There's a whole bunch of these ites. See, the ark of the... Uh, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, this is important, right? Because this isn't Joshua's idea. This is God's instruction to the people through Joshua. God was going to do this miracle, but there was a point to this miracle. It wasn't just, how hey, I'm going to make a way for you to get over. There was a point to this. And the point was, because God was going to do this great miracle today, it was to serve as a promise and a reminder 
that he was going to be with them in all of the battles that were ahead. Now, what does that mean? What that means is that in the battles ahead, they were not going to see God's miraculous hand like they would see it today. And the Israelites needed to realize that. See, this miracle was going to be the big sign. Yes, it was going to make a way for them to enter the promised land. But at the same time, this miracle was also going to be the big sign, the big reminder that God was with them. Even though in the future they were going to face many difficulties and many battles, they needed to remember that God was with them. The point being, because God was not going to be doing the same kind of miraculous things ahead that He had done here. In fact, we read in another place that God said, I'm not going to drive these nations out before you because this is a nation who have not learned how to fight. And I'm going to leave them there and you will drive them out bit by bit so that you can become strong and learn how to fight. These guys were going to have to fight the battles in the promised land on their own. And yet God's plan and purpose was with them. You know, sometimes we say, God, why are you not with me now like you were when I first got saved? Oh, God, I saw you do this incredible miracle in my life back then. God, why aren't you doing the same thing now? And sometimes it's because when God did that miracle in your life back then, yes, he was meeting a need. But sometimes it's also because he is saying, I am with you and I don't want you to forget this. Because there's going to be a day when I need you to find a different way through. When I'm going to be doing a different thing. When I'm going to be having a different approach. When there's going to be a different result we're looking for. And it's not going to look the same. But I need you to know that I'm still with you. That I have not left. That my promise is still on your life. That my purpose is still for you. Even if it looks a little bit different. And so God gives them further instructions. Listen to that. Listen to this. Joshua 4, verses 1 to 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to, listen to this, take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. Take up 12 stones from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Isn't that intriguing? I need 12 big guys. The priest is standing. We go past one from each tribe. I want you to get the biggest one of these huge, big river boulders that you can carry. And I want you to carry it all the way across the other side and put it down over there. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark. Uh, of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign for you. Isn't that interesting? He keeps going. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. They were to be a memorial. Why? So the people would remember. 
Firstly, so they would remember the relationship with God that they had experienced, as Pastor Bob talked about last Sunday. That they would remember what God had done. Secondly, so that they would, here it is, have faith that God was with them in everything and that they, are, they were going to see God's hand, even if it looked differently. I'll pick up the text again in Joshua 4. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God. You know, I can imagine, you know, 30 years on and some, some Israelite teenager Anyone ever had teenagers here? Give me a wave if you've had teenagers. Some teenager says to their parents, well, I've decided I don't believe in God. And uh, I think the stories are all made up. I think they're just metaphors. Without another word, that mum or dad would put them in the car or on the donkey or whatever the mode of transport was and drive them down to Gilgal where those stones had been placed in a memorial and they would pull them out of the car and they'd take them up to that and they would say to them, see these stones, run your hands over these stones. Because these stones, you're not going to find these stones anywhere else here. Go, go look over in that wadi, see if you can find any of these big, round, worn river stones. See if you can find any in that wadi over there. Go over into that ravine back over there, see if you can find any of these kinds of stones. Because you won't find any of these smooth, worn stones anywhere here. Do you know why? Because stones like that only come from one place around here, and it's right in the middle of that huge river. And those stones are here because your great-granddad carried it out when God stopped the water and brought us out of the desert into the promised land. A memorial so our children would never forget. And I can see the eyes of that teenager just getting a little bit bigger, a little bit rounder, and realizing that, wow, there really are nothing, there are no other stones here, no other rocks and boulders like that. That really must have come from in that river. And they would have been struck again with awe and reverence that God had made a way for them, that they might know that God was still with them. And faith would have returned. You see, team, we forget. We forget what God has done. And I believe that this instruction wasn't just for them, but for us. And I believe that we too need to build an altar of remembrance for us and for our children and for our grandchildren. And when they come to us and say, so why do you go to church? We can, t instead of taking them to our theology, let's take them back to the stories that we have in our lives when God unequivocally showed his greatness in our lives. Nothing about, no, no, there's definitely a time to take him to the theology. But I believe that God would have us do that. And for us, of course, our altar of remembrance won't be stones out of a river, 
but there'll be stories out of our experience that each of us carry of God's incredible power. So let me ask you this morning, what are your stones? What are your stories? What are the five or 10 or 12 stories of God's intervention in your life that most impacted you, that when it happened to you, there was no argument. There was no doubt in in any way that this wasn't God. You knew beyond knowing that God had done this and that he was absolutely real. What are those stories for you? Because I believe this morning God is wanting us to call those back to remembrance. And God is wanting to build those into something inside of us. You know, at various times in my life, what I've done is I've taken a piece of paper and I've drawn a bunch of big circles on it, like a, like a, tri- like a pyramid. of, them. And in each one, I've written down just a few words about that particular story. Let me tell you some of my stories very quickly. When God spoke to me, And the first two days after I got saved, when I give my life to Christ, but I decided I I was just going to keep living my life. And if God was real, he was going to have to speak to me. And so I kept smoking drugs and God took away the peace in my heart that I had so powerfully invade my life in that gas station at three o'clock in the morning. And I suddenly was aware, oh, okay, this is one of those ways you communicate. I get it. I promise you. In that moment, I knew that it was God. I absolutely knew it was God. About the time when I had a friend who was on a mission in Nelson and he was stabbed with a knife and was taken to Wellington cardiac unit and miraculously survived, get this, despite the fact that the bread knife went completely through his heart twice. Absolute medical miracle. Heart is a high pressure organ. Should have ruptured, he should have died in almost instantaneously, God somehow held his heart together until the surgeons could stitch up the top, turn it over, stitch up the, I mean, miraculous. We would, we used to, um, we used to witness together on campus at Otago University and I would talk about how some people wear a cross around their necks and what does that really mean? And then I'd introduce Hamish and he would open his shirt and you'd see the cross that he had, which was a scar, which went from here to his belly button and from nipple to nipple where they had to open his chest up, and he would tell the story about how God held his heart together until the surgeons could get there. You cannot tell me that God is not real. Stories like, uh, when I lost my only pair of shoes, I was a poor student, I had one pair of shoes, and I lost them. Like, how careless can you be? And I was, and it was coming into summer. It was the end of the university year. I'm like, at least I'm going home. So I, 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 I managed to fly home. I flew home with bare feet. And what God did, God miraculously provided a pair of shoes for me, but he signaled it to me. Someone gave me an envelope with money on, and on the front of it was a picture of a pair of shoes. So I knew it was for a pair of shoes. I never paid any attention to the pair of shoes until months later when I found it in a drawer and picked it out to find that the actual brand of the shoes that were actually there was the exact brand of shoes that I had bought those months ago. And it was just like God saying, I got you. I got you. Stories like that. Stories like when God miraculously provided money for us for a deposit of a house when we had nothing. Just an amazing story. I'll tell that another time. When God miraculously, I mean, (laughs) provided the money for a deposit when we, in in the Dunedin Needham Church, bought the land. I mean, it's an astonishing, incredible, miraculous story. I'll tell you about it some other time. 
When God spoke through our children prophetically that coming to Auckland was our next right step. When God answered my prayers more times than I can count in very specific ways and intervened in my children's lives when they were going through difficult times. These are my stones. These are my stories. These are my memorials. So that when I'm struggling to have faith, when I'm not quite sure where God is or why he isn't doing what I think he should be doing or maybe what he's done in the past, I go back to those stories and I go, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Because God needs me to remember that he still speaks, he still saves, he still heals, he still provides, he still looks after me, he still intervenes. And it may look different, but part of what God did back then was also to do something in my life that would bring faith to me when I need it now. And in remembering those things, my faith is restored and strengthen. Can I say to you that in remembering, your faith will be restored and strengthened. It is a wonderful and powerful thing. And, and you see, here's the great thing. My memorial isn't at a place I've got to drive to. My memorial lives within me. It is inside me, which is so much more powerful than a pile of stones that I've got to drive to to see. It, it, it's a source of faith that is within me. You know, in East Sussex in England, there is a castle, a 14th century moated castle called Bodium Castle. It's huge. It's got four gigantic corner towers, a monstrous moat around it. It is a very impressive castle. It was built in 1385 by a former knight of Edward III with the permission of the king to defend the area against French invasion during the Hundred Years' War. It fell into disrepair over the centuries. It was broken down. It was then discovered, and then they began to fix it all up. And it was in the fixing it up that, that the genius of the design was uncovered. And it was this. It was that in one of the four towers, they had built a well. A well which was obviously intended to supply the garrison of soldiers with water in times of siege. So strategic to build it inside. You see, an aqueduct bringing water from the outside into the castle would be at the mercy of the enemy. But the enemy has no power over the well inside. Can I say to you this morning that the memorial of faith that we build inside of us, the enemy has no power over that. So let me ask you again, what are your stories? I know you have them. It doesn't matter how big or small. It doesn't matter if it's the provision of a multi-million dollar building or, the, or a pair of running shoes. What are your stories? Those things that for you were evidence of the powerful intervening reality of God. God wants you to remember those today. We'll get the team up now if they'd come. And it's important in times like this because for us today is Remembrance Sunday. And it's when we take a moment to pause and honor and remember those that we have lost. Dearly loved people, family, Friends, look, for some of us, it's things that we've lost, like maybe it's a dream 
that's gone. Maybe it's a hope that has died. But whenever there is loss, there is pain. Whenever there is loss, there is grief. And today we are going to take a moment to remember and to honor and to give thanks. But you know what? It is so important this morning that we do that with faith. I remember sitting with Roz shortly before she passed just a few weeks ago. Just reminding her what Jesus said. What he'd said to the apostles. That when it was time, he would come for them. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that for for those who believe that, that there is a day when we cross over, but that the Lord will come for us? And he will show us the way. In fact, he is the way. And do we believe that those that we have loved that have gone, that they are in a better place? See, this morning, if we want to grieve well, if we want to mourn well, we need to do it with faith. And you know, in a few moments after we sing, I'm going to invite you. If you've lost someone or something this year that you want to remember and honor and in faith, Come and signal to the Lord, Lord, I want to thank you for that. I entrust this to your care. God, I believe and I know that you have them in your hands. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to do that. But before we do that, I want us to take a moment just to worship again, to worship the Lord. I want us to go to the well inside. I want us to go to that altar of remembrance that hopefully we have of those stories. So I'm going to invite you all to stand to your feet right now, if you would. And and, uh, Dan and Kudzai and the team are going to lead us in a song. Because we need to believe that he is faithful to his promises. We need to believe for those that have gone that there is a better place and that there is a glorious reunion ahead. We need to believe that those things that we have entrusted to him He will guard against that day as his word says. And so before we take a moment to remember those that we have lost, can we take a moment to remember what God has done in our lives? Amen.